here this morning, uh, yeah, from Southern California, but ultimately the reason why I'm here is because uh, my life has been profoundly changed by the teaching of um, a man from Nazareth. And, uh, and, and he uses us and, and various other people in, in lives and, and to change hearts. They go from hard to, to soft, uh, from dead to alive. And uh, one of the things I want to mention at the forefront of our time together is uh, the ministry that brought me over Thinking Matters. Uh, if you like what you're hearing this morning, make sure you look them up. They're a local apologetics ministry, and they're going to be having a conference coming up, and there's literature around the church for that. Um, my life has been changed through Christ, but also he used Stand to Reason, the ministry that I now work for. Uh, my story starts, actually, uh, <laughs> with, as all good stories do, with I met a girl. <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was 16 or so years ago. I was living in Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States. I had just graduated from American University and a degree in criminal justice, and I was working at one of our nation's uh, best law firms. And I was, uh, I, was, I had just moved there. My bags were still in the back of my sister's car. She was living there, and I, she brought me to a patty. And uh, I was standing up on a, on a balcony on an apartment building overlooking Los Angeles, taking in the city that held my future. And in the front door of the apartment, uh, the apartment behind me walked the most incredible girl. She came in, and, 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 and uh, her name is Rihanna, and I'm now married to her, so we'll get there eventually, I hope. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and she walked in, and she's the type of woman that kind of commanded the room. You know what I mean? She was confident, and, and she, she, she knew what was going on. And my sister, she was friends with her, so she had kind of told her about who I was, and I was going to be there. So she kind of wanted to, to get to know me. So she walked, like, with her little, like, she's short. Like, she walked, like, as fast as she could and <laughs> smacked into the screen door of the balcony. <laughs> and, and Rihanna, she fell back on her bottom and she flipped her dark hair back and, and, and she let out the most beautiful, amazing laugh I've ever heard. And, and she had me at that moment. And actually that night, guys, that night I told her I loved her in front of her boyfriend. <laughs> because, because that's the type of guy I was. I, I saw something I wanted, I was going to go for it. You know, and, and eventually she did. She lost that loser, and, uh, and, she, and she started dating me, you know, and we got to know each other, and as we got to know each other, uh, the worst possible thing happened. She told me one day that she was a Christian. You see, I was an atheist. I was a vociferous atheist. If I found out that you were a Christian, I'd want to take you out to coffee. I'd offer to pay. I'd say, hey, can I buy you lunch? Because I want to wreck you. I want to destroy your worldview because I thought Christians were stupid, ignorant, dumb, lame, not fun at all, you know, and I didn't think they had good reasons for what they believed. Sometimes they could tell me what they believed, but they couldn't often tell me why. And uh, so, so Rihanna and I, if, actually, if she was here, if she was standing here right next to me, if she tells the story, she says that I was her rock bottom. You know, <laughs> I often ask her, why were you dating me? And she said, well, because you were fun. I like to think it's because of my good looks. <laughs> so she, she, she's dating me, and she has no business dating me. And this is not an excuse for you folks, young ladies, young men, to go out and find yourself an atheist. 
<laughs> it doesn't usually work out this well, but by the grace of God, right? So, so over the course of time, Rihanna, we, she would try to press into me on my atheism, but more I was trying to attack her. And oftentimes, again, if she was here, she'd say that she used to leave our dates crying. Because one, I was borderline mean, but two, she also knew our relationship couldn't go anywhere. And she was really brave. And, and uh, one Saturday, she asked me if I'd go to church with her. And I've done crazier things for the affections of a woman. So I said, absolutely. If you hang out with me on Saturday, I'll go wherever you want on Sunday, whatever. So I went to church as an atheist, and I got saved in a fairly charismatic church. So you know, when, I walked, when I walked into the service, the music was blaring super loud, and there was a woman over in the corner doing this, spinning, arms raised, songs about blood, songs about sacrifice, tongues being prophesied. And I thought, you folks are so strange. Like, like it's more than what I thought, you know? And I started going with her regularly to this church, and then she wanted to become a member of this church. And I went with her to the membership courses, mainly just because I wanted to figure out more of the dumb stuff that Christians believe so I could use it against them. And then the final stage of this, chur this church's membership class is you have to meet with the pastor and his wife, have an interview. And I went with Rihanna. And Rihanna, she had her story. She's got an amazing story. And then, then I came with stacks of papers. I was going to prove this pastor wrong. I was going to debate him out of his faith. Could you imagine, like, a notch on my atheist belt? Yeah, I could see, like, the YouTube headings, you know? Atheist destroys pastor. I'd be like the king atheist, you know? So I asked him all my questions, and a lot of the questions he said, you know what, John, that's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> I've never heard it before. Some of the questions he offered answers to, and even fewer of those, they answered them to some of, somewhat of my satisfaction. But at the end of the meeting, and this is key, we stood up, and, and, and Pastor Dave, he hugged my wife, Rihanna. We weren't married at the time, but he hugged Rihanna, and he said, you know what, Rihanna, we'd love to offer you membership. You seem like a fantastic young woman. And then he took my hand in his, and as he's shaking my hand, Pastor Dave says, you know what, John? We have enough members right now. Thanks for coming. <laughs> which, which sometimes people, sometimes people think that this is like, sometimes people think he's being really mean, but he's actually, it was a perfect response, because if Dave, if Pastor Dave had said, you know what, John, you're a work in progress, We'll work on you. You'll come along. You'll end up seeing the light. I would have thought everything I thought about Christianity was true. Not only are you weird, but you don't really care about what I believe. You just want my butt in your seat. You want my buck in your coffer, and that's it. But he didn't. And then the key is, as he was uh, shaking my hand saying this, denying me membership, he pulled the book off of his bookshelf. It was a book on Christian apologetics. I had never heard the word apologetics. Apologetics simply means giving a rational defense for something. In this case, giving a rational defense for the Christian worldview. And he said, you know what, John? I think I didn't do a very good job of answering your questions today. But the beginnings to some of those answers you might find in this book. Would you read it? And I read it. And for the first time, I'd been confronted with the truth of the Christian worldview. That book, and in many other books I read as, as this led, as my story moves on, I saw that there were good reasons to believe what Christians believe. And then uh, th through a course of events, I started bumping into reality. See, you guys probably know this. I mean, uh, the, the world is a certain way. What I mean by that is, is, is the world doesn't bend and contort and, and, and form itself around your personal preferences or opinions. You know, reality is the way the world really is. And when you bump into reality, 
It's because you're, you're, you're living not in accordance to it. So when you don't live according to reality, you bump into it. And as I started to chase, the really chase, drop my presuppositions and start chasing answers to life's most fundamental questions, questions of, of, of origin, meaning, purpose, destiny, morality, I bumped into reality. And sometimes those bumps hurt. <laughs> Uh, the, the first bump, the first bump is what I call the bump of stuff. And this is not controversial. Stats like this. Stuff exists. Right? The chairs you're sitting in, the, 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 the podium that my notes are on, they exist. But the question, the question that needs to be answered is where did all the stuff come from? The bigger question. What caused the beginning of the universe to have itself. You see, not only is this not controversial, but this actually isn't even very complicated. I'm not that smart of a guy. There's only two possibilities to explain where all the stuff came from, either, either nothing or something. Right? And this, as an atheist, this put me in a really difficult position. Because who in his right mind says nothing caused everything? But I didn't want to say the something, because the moment you say that something option, it has to take on certain qualities. It has to be outside of its own creation. It has to be uh, outside of time and space. It has to be immensely created, incredibly powerful. And before you know it, that something starts to look like something specific. It starts to look like God. I didn't want to say God, so what did I do? I opted for the nothing option. But this goes against our basic intuitions about the way the world really is. I mean, for a moment, could you guys just imagine with me what the world would look like if stuff popped out of nothing all the time? I mean, I could be preaching this message to you, and, uh, and, and, and a 500-pound sheep could just <coughs> fall down on top of me, you know? This is, this is a key point. This is a fundamental uh, facet of science. This makes science possible, the, the principle that we get nothing from nothing. Imagine looking up into the heavenlies and things would just be popping in and out of existence out of nothing. You wouldn't be able to, to study anything or looking through a microscope and things just coming in and out. This does, it doesn't work. The world isn't like that. You see, I couldn't explain where all the stuff came from because all I had to start with on atheism was nothing. You see, naturalism, I was a naturalist, was my worldview, and naturalism says that everything that exists is the product of a purely physical process. So all I had to start with was nothing. But on Christian theism, on Christian theism, you have more than nothing. You have an uncaused cause. And I think we know this intuitively. Uh, not too long ago, I was at Disneyland with, uh, hey guys, I've got four daughters. I've got a 13-year-old, she turned 13 last week, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. You guys can be praying for me. Somebody is always crying in my house. It's usually me in the fetal position, wondering what in the world is happening, you know? But, but, but even so, through the challenges of life, we bring our kids to Disneyland. You know Mickey Mouse? And I live uh, maybe an hour and a half from Disneyland. 
So we brought our kids to Disneyland, and we're pushing, we had one of those double strollers, you know, to push the kids, the big joints, and, and with the uh, inflatable tires, it rolls really easy, and, and we pack it outside Maida's Wild Ride. It's a ride for the kids, and, and, we, and we're waiting in line, and, and it's a beautiful sunny day, actually kind of hot. It's probably, I, I don't even know what it is Celsius, but it's probably 90 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever that is, like 7,000 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, Celsius. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, uh, so, so we pack the stroller, and we're waiting in the line, and all of a sudden, we're standing in line, and we hear, bang, bang! What in the world happened? And everybody around us wondered what happened. Notice that, that when we see things like sounds like big bangs, what's the question people ask? What happened? What caused it? Where'd it come from? We found out where it came from. My, my stroller, I was like, a, like an idiot. I packed it in the, in the middle of the sun, and both back tires popped. <laughs> but this is the principle. The, the everybody, everybody wanted to know where the bangs came from. Well, the same is true of the Big Bang, because bangs need bangers. Brilliant. Right, guys? This isn't that hard. This isn't that hard. Where'd all the stuff came from? On atheism, I couldn't answer that. My naturalism wouldn't let me go there. That's the first bump. That's the bump of stuff. Not too hard, right? You guys got it? Well, the next, the next bump... Uh, the next bump for me uh, was the most difficult. Uh, if I'm honest with you this morning, it still is. Uh, this is what I call the bump of bad. As an atheist, as a naturalist, I would have said certain things are wrong. I would have said what happened in Nazi Germany was wrong. But the question, just like the question where all the stuff comes, we have to ask the question. The question is, what did I mean? What did I mean when I said something was, was wrong? Did I, did I mean it, was a, it, it, it violated my, my personal opinion? When I said that, that what happened in the furnishes of Auschwitz was wrong, was it the same kind of statement as me saying, I hate Brussels sprouts? Clearly not. What I was saying as a naturalist, when I thought of Nazi Germany and, and, and saw the furnaces for myself in Auschwitz, when I saw these things when I was in, in, in Poland, I knew what happened there was wicked, and it ought not happen. You see, there's something really important here to, to recognize. I was appealing to a standard outside of myself. This is what's known as an objective moral standard. On atheism, all I was left with, because there's, the, the, there, there's no cause for anything, all I was left with was my personal preference, my personal opinion, relativism, ultimately, moral relativism. But that's clearly not what I meant when I objected to things being wrong out there in the world. You see, you need more than just your personal opinions. Evil has to be out there in some sense. The, existed, the existence of evil, it needs to be a detail of the external world, not just a matter of tastes, or it's more than just taboo or goes against cultural convention. It's actually wrong to kill innocent people. Simply put, uh, you can't sin against the paddocles. And on atheism, all we are is just a random quantification of molecules kind of accidentally bumping into each other, ultimately, and this, by the way, isn't just me as a Christian saying this. This is what I believed as an atheist, and this is what I would have proclaimed. Even today, when you read the atheist, Thomas Hobbes, 
in the Leviathan. He, he says that life is solitary, poor, brutish, and nasty. Richard Dawkins, a biologist out of Oxford, one of the world's most famous atheists writing today, says at bottom, there is nothing but pitiless indifference. But that doesn't describe the world around me accurately. When I was, when I was violated, I knew it was wrong, right? When I was violated, I knew it was wrong. Not only this, but when I brought up the problem of evil, and this was my argument against God, this was like my coup de grace. This was my nail in God's coffin with, coffin with the Christian. What I didn't realize, and this changed for me, my entire perspective. As an atheist, when I objected to, the, uh, to, to God on the basis of the existence of evil, I actually was doing nothing to solve the problem. I still had the problem. Because evil is a fundamental uh, facet of the world around us. I was just getting rid of one of the possible solutions. And then, and then, guys, I realized that not only is the existence of pain, suffering, and evil uh, central to the Christian worldview, I mean, it's central to our story. It could give me a reason why it's here, but it also offered a solution. Jesus. You see, just like the, the bump of stuff, every worldview, it needs to give an adequate explanation of the suffering and evil around us. But there's more. You see, I wasn't just, just wrestling with the idea that there was an objective oughtness to the world that we lived in. As I struggled with, with the idea of, of good and bad, right and wrong, as I came to the conclusion that everything around me had to come from somewhere or someone, I was confronted with another aspect of reality that, that my naturalism, my atheism couldn't explain. This is what I call the bump of me. So we have the bump of stuff, the bump of bad, the bump of me. This is the soul. Friends, we all have a soul. And it's a huge problem for the atheist. The soul is that thing that you uh, introspect to. It's that thing that you think to. It's, it, you're aware of it every waking moment of every single day. And I can prove that we all have one. Um, have you ever had a song stuck in your head? right? I have all girls in this age, so all we watch at home right now is Encanto. And, and in Encanto, this is a song, we don't talk about Bruno, no. Some of you guys are loving it. Some of you are like, oh, it's in my head now. So if I wanted to get that song unstuck from your head, do I, do I cut open your scalp, crack open your skull, and extract the song? No. Because it doesn't exist in, in the physical realm. It, it exists in an immaterial aspect of yourself. It exists in your soul. Some people, we want to call it consciousness. Maybe we do so to avoid the spiritual implications, but this is your soul, and we're all aware of it. Souls are real. But not only are souls real, uh, souls are special. As an atheist, I, I, I knew that there was something wonderful, something beautiful about human beings. That's why I would cry out for justice in the, in the face of injustice. But in my worldview, I, I couldn't explain what that wonderful thing was. You see, naturalism, as I said before, it reduces us to cosmic junk. Moist robots. Meat suits in motion. 
you know, with on, on atheism, life ultimately means nothing uh, apart from anything that you might want to, uh, any meaning you might want to ascribe to it arbitrarily. On, on, on atheism, there, there's nothing that, that ultimately matters. There's nothing that will ultimately satisfy our, our, our hunger for purpose or our desire for justice. Nothing ultimately matters. But this wasn't the testimony of my soul. I knew that I had significance, and I knew that you had significance, and I knew people were beautiful, and they ought not be violated. But I knew something else, too. Not only are souls real, not only are souls special, souls are broken. See, my, my conscience, my, my soul testified to the knowledge that, that not only was the world out there broken, but I was broken in here, too. You see, I, I, I realized I was in need of a rescue. I realized that, that not only was I a victim, but I was a victimizer. And I needed forgiveness. But naturalism, naturalism, it can't explain the beauty and the wonder of what it means to be a human being. And it, it has no answer for, for human brokenness. Naturalism, friends, naturalism has no offer of true forgiveness. Christian theism? Christian theism does. Friends, we all have to live in the world that God made. Even if we don't believe in him, we all have to live in the world that God made. So these are the aspects of the world around me that I, I was bumping into. When, when I dropped my presuppositions of naturalism, when I left them at the door, I realized that, that my worldview, it, it couldn't make sense of the existence of the world around me. It, it doesn't make sense of the, the problem of evil. It, it doesn't make sense of my own deepest human hungers, especially the, the pressing problem of my personal guilt. By contrast, uh, on Christian theism, Christianity, it, it, <coughs> it provides answers to these things. It accurately explains the world around us. As a naturalist, I, I really tried to be consistent with this worldview. As I, as I met Rihanna, <coughs> I was really leaning into it. I remember, um, I speak a lot on suicide all over the world now. I, suicide's my, my number one topic, actually, I speak on, which isn't why I got into Christian apologetics, but, but it's a need that's out there. It's in this country as well as well as in the United States. And, and when I was an atheist, I, I, I was walking home from my law office one night and, and uh, in Washington, D.C., and I remember that, that my sister, my younger sister, she called me on the phone and she told me, she said, hey, Ronzo just killed himself. Ronzo was a mutual friend that we had in high school together. My sister's a year behind me in school. And you know what my response was? I said to her, I guess Ronzo couldn't take the heat. So he got out of the kitchen. Oh well. Life is hard. Some people can do it and some people can't. Tough luck. How crass. How harsh. 
But that's where my naturalism was leading me and guiding me. And, and I knew inside that it wasn't the accurate reflection of the way the world really was. You know, because I was affected by Ronzo and his death. I just didn't want to let it show because I was trying to be consistent with my worldview. You see, guys, when it, when it comes down to it, I'm not a I'm not a Christian because it's 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 gained me anything. I, I used to work at some of the world's best law firms and and and, 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 and we had clientele that was unbelievable. I'm not a Christian because it's gained me money. It hasn't. I'm not a Christian because it's gained me fame. I'm a Christian because I met a girl who bumped into a screen door. And then I bumped into reality when I started leaning into and seeking answers to life's most important questions. Guys, I'm a Christian because it's the true story of reality. Thank you so much for your attention. I appreciate it.